Hey, good morning, MRCC. Thanks for joining us online today. We're so glad you're here. And if you're new with us today, go ahead and text the phrase MRCC to the number 94000. We just want to send you a quick message and say hi. Or if you're with us in the interactive chat, go ahead and click the prompt right there to get connected. Awesome. Such a great way to stay connected, especially mm -hmm. not being in person. Uh, yes. It's a great way to get connected with your church, right? That's right. Mm -hmm. And another way to connect with your church? What? Oh, we had a great movie night last oh, Friday. Oh, it was so much fun. Trolls World Tour. We had a great time. We just hung out in the backyard. We had candy, popcorn, all that kind of stuff. Families gathered. It was a great way to come together as families. Uh, we just decided during this time the best way to gather together is as families uh, because you can be together as a family, not socially distant, but then other families can kind of be around. That's right. I, I kind of feel like there's another way we could hang out together. How? Well, we could do an outdoor game night. Oh, when's that? July 24th. Oh, I don't know if I can make it. I was going to this outdoor game night. Oh, that's right. You are so funny. I'll be there. Okay. We hope that you would join us as well, church. Right, join us. We're going to have an outdoor family game night. It's the same. It's a Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Uh, we're just going to have a bunch of games set up in the field out there. And awesome. Yeah, lots of sanitizer, you know, all that kind of stuff. Gotta have it. That's right. And then we can just play games together as families and kind of rotate around, play, just see each other, be around each other. That's right. Well, speaking of connection, mm -hmm. you know, another way you can get connected is coming to our in-person Sunday gatherings. We yeah. have started gathering again within our church building Sundays, 8 o'clock, 9.30 and 11 a.m. And recently we have been asking for signups, but we haven't had any issues filling up to capacity. And so now we're just saying, if you want to come to church, just come, just show up. And uh, everyone is invited, your family is invited. We would love to see you here in person for our in-person gatherings. You know, it really has been fun to see people here at the church and to worship together. I think that's the biggest yeah. thing we're missing is just that, that personal corporate. connection. Yeah, that, just that time that we can corporately worship together. So I, I encourage you to come and join us uh, in person right here at MRCC. Yes. Uh, but here we are, and we're ready to worship. All yep. right, you guys ready? Let's worship. Let's go. Good morning, MRCC. Welcome to Church Online today. This morning, let us just glorify the name of Jesus over our lives to the heavens today. And as his church, let's raise a hallelujah together at this time. What a time to stand united as his church and give him praise. Amen. Lord, we worship you for who you are. Yes. Just sing with us, church. I raise a hallelujah. In the presence of my enemies Yes, Lord I raise a hallelujah Louder than the unbelief That's right I raise a hallelujah My weapon is a melody I raise a hallelujah Heaven comes to fight for me Yes, I'm gonna sing I'm gonna sing In the middle of the storm Louder and louder You're gonna hear my praises roar Up from the ashes Hope will Hold on. 
would you give him praise today? He's alive. Amen. Let's not forget that wherever we are, his presence is available to us. God, we worship you in the midst. He's here. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. We worship you. You are welcome within us. We praise you. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. No thing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted and the sweetest of loves where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone your presence Lord Holy Spirit you are welcome here come fly
time of worship. Let us be overcome by your presence. Let fear be undone. Let shame be undone in Jesus' name. It is our prayer that the Holy Spirit would fill the hearts of every home, every individual engaging in worship right now. In this time, God, it is so vital that we trust all the more in you and your faithfulness, that we stand in this posture of praise and do as it says in First Chronicles where it says, sing to the Lord all the earth, proclaim his salvation day after day, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all people, for great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. So church, today we get to sing a new song to magnify the name and lordship of our King Jesus. And as his church, we, the hands and feet, get to declare to magnify him within our own lives. Yes, Christ we magnify. Jesus, we lift up your name. Just sing these words with us, church. Were creation suddenly articulate With a thousand tongues to lift one cry And then from north to south And east to west We'd hear Christ be magnified yes, That's our prayer were the whole earth echoing his eminence his name would burst from sea and sky from rivers to the mountain tops we'd hear Christ be magnified Christ be magnified a declaration. I won't bow to idols. I'll stand strong and worship you. And if it puts me in the fire, I'll rejoice because you're there too. I won't be formed by feelings. I hold fast to what is true. If the cross brings transformation, then I'll be crucified with you. Cause death is just the doorway into resurrection life If I join you in your sufferings, then I'll join you when you rise And when you return in glory with all the angels and the saints My heart will still be singing, my song will be In me, 
that we walk with every day. Lord, we magnify your name. In our homes, in this world, let Jesus reign. God, we worship you, and as your church, we look up to you, and we say thank you for who you are. Let us trust you all the more. Let us cling to you all the more, and set our sights on the one who reigns, the one who leads, sovereign over all, King Jesus. God, we praise you. Church, in Jesus' name, we say amen, amen. Thank you so much for joining with us as his church to worship our almighty God today. Well, good morning, church. Good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whenever you are. It's great to be with you again, to gather again, to, to worship uh, as we're taught to do, as Pastor Weston and the worship team are gracious to lead us in. Thank you for that. To open God's word together, to pray together, to be together. God blesses our fellowship. And, and I want you to know also, if you're not aware, we have begun to, to meet in person in live services again on Sunday mornings, 8, 9, 30, and 11. Uh, we've taken all the precautions that we've been asked to take and respect and submission to our governing authorities. But you're welcome to come and join us on Sunday mornings. We'd love to have you. Um, it's a terrific time together. And uh, we go out of our way to make sure all the kids' areas and all that are cleaned and taken care of. So just so you know, just so you're aware. I hope you had a terrific holiday weekend last week with the 4th of July celebrating our independence and all the blessings that we have as a nation. This morning, uh, I want to invite you to open your Bible and turn it to Matthew chapter 13. And, and God has something to teach us this morning that's incredibly important and urgent, especially in this time that we're in, in this unwelcome and uncommon journey that we're on together as a people. God wants to speak to us about something very specific as the children of God this morning, and it's found in Matthew chapter 13. Jesus is gonna teach us something that we easily miss. And as you're getting ready to do that, as you're turning there, let, let me just ask you, raise your hand if you hate weeds. I mean, who doesn't, right? If you're a gardener or if you're a farmer, weeds are the bane of your existence. If you're just somebody who likes to keep your yard and your house neat and clean, weeds can drive you crazy. Anybody who spent a perfectly good Saturday pulling weeds knows that they have the power to make you crazy. I came across a, a list of weed puns and quotes this week, and I thought I'd share a few of those with you. I know a lot of you, like me, love puns and love wordplay. So this morning, I, I just thought I'd share a few of these with you. Uh, someone has said that weeds are nature's graffiti. I think that's, that's a good one. Somebody else has said that weeds are crack addicts. There's some... There's some truth there. Somebody else has said that weeds are weapons of grass destruction. Yeah, I think we could all say amen to that. Somebody has said if you want to teach kids how to garden, you have to weed by example. Yeah, there's truth in that. Somebody else has said that the, the secret to gardening is weed them and reap. Yeah, I sunk that low. I really did. Somebody else has said, what the world needs now, what the world weeds now is lawn, sweet lawn. If you know the old song, that'll connect to you. 
Somebody said, roses are red, violets are blue, but they don't get around like dandelions do. <laughs> and it's real, weeds. Dave Barry, the comedian said, crabgrass can grow on bowling balls in airless rooms, and there is no known way to kill it that does not involve nuclear weapons. I'm sure some of us can relate to that. Somebody else has said, you can't plant flowers if you haven't bought any. I'll just let you work that one out in your own head. Somebody else has said, those who throw dirt are sure to lose ground. Now I'm going off course a little bit. But weeds drive us crazy. Sometimes, though, our zeal to get rid of weeds can become more of a problem than the weeds themselves. You know, my wife, one of her great joys in life is gardening, and her flower garden is something she just loves to spend time preparing and putting together. Every spring, every summer, out in front of our house, it's just gorgeous. She decorates, she picks colors and species, and turns it into this diverse, really great-looking uh, display. She does it every year, puts a lot of time and effort into it, takes great joy in it. Uh, sometimes I get a little self-conscious because gardening isn't my joy uh, and sometimes she'll spend a lot of time doing that and I'll feel like, man, Greg, you should contribute more to what's going on here. Last summer I was feeling like that a little bit and, and Rhonda headed out uh, for a long holiday weekend, a three-day weekend to visit her sister in Oregon. And, and while she was gone, I thought, you know what, I just want to bless her. I'm going to go out and I'm going to weed her flower garden. I'm just going to clean it up so neat and tidy that when she gets back, she'd ask me to water it. But I decided I was going to do more than that. I'm just going to spiff it up first so that when she gets back, she's just going to see this perfectly quaffed garden and know that her husband loves her. And so I, I went out and I, I put in one of those summer Saturdays doing just that, working in her flower garden. It wasn't until she got back on Monday that I, I discovered that I don't know the difference between a weed and a flower, and that in fact I had weeded out all of her lupins. I had pulled out a bunch of her flowers thinking they were weeds by mistake. Sometimes we get so zealous to pull weeds that we destroy flowers. And that's a problem, church, because Jesus this morning wants to teach us that, that God, hear me now, God is less interested in pulling weeds than growing flowers. Or to use Jesus' word picture verbatim, he's less interested in pulling weeds than growing wheat. I invited you to turn to Matthew chapter 13, and, and let's begin with verse 24, read together down through verse 27, and, and let's listen to Jesus using this word picture of weeds and wheat and gardens and fields to teach us something incredibly important. The Lord is speaking, and he says this, beginning with verse 24 of chapter 13. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, the weeds also appeared. And the owner's servant came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? And the master replied, an enemy did this. Now, that's not the, the whole story. We're stopping for just a moment to reflect on a couple of things here. And the first thing we want to understand is that, that Jesus isn't really talking about gardening in this moment. He himself says the kingdom of God is like. He's talking about his kingdom, not only in the sense in which it will ultimately come, what you and I are used to calling heaven, but also the sense in which it is here now. And, and friends, those are not two separate things. Jesus said the kingdom of God is here now and grows into that future. The two are connected. You're either in it or out of it, both here and now, and when it comes. And Jesus says this kingdom that he is bringing is, is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but then discovered that an enemy sowed bad seed in his field or weeds. 
It's important to grasp that the man in this story, God, sowed good seed, meaning that his plan was for a good and fruitful and healthy garden, just like God's plan for our world is for a good and fruitful and healthy one. It's his enemy that sows the weeds. That's important to take in for just a moment because one of the key uh, aspects of faith that God identifies and seeks in us is our belief that he wants to bless us. You and I are his field. And the Bible says that, that we are susceptible to weeds. Hebrews 11 puts it this way. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God because everyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. Yes, but also that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. In other words, here and now is a relationship with him, an engagement with him in which he's seeking to bless us. Do you believe that? God says, without that kind of faith, it's impossible to please him. He wants you to know that he wants to bless you. And, and Jesus frames this parable in those terms. You know, I love the illustration of, uh, of teachers and their aim in our lives. Sometimes as students, we believe that our teachers are trying to fail us. But every teacher will tell you that they're actually trying to graduate you. They don't give you tests to fail you. They give you tests to graduate you and move you on to the next thing. And having that kind of understanding of what a teacher's up to in your life makes all the difference. In the same way, God wants us to understand that he's always seeking to bless us as we seek him. Now, the servants in this story wrestle with the fact that there are weeds in the master's field. That's important to understand. They say, where then did the weeds come from? You sowed good seed, but now there's weeds. Where did they come from? And Jesus is telling us, when he says an enemy did this, that there is more going on in our world, friends, than you and I see. There is a spiritual dimension to everything happening in our world. There is a very real, even though invisible, reality. We talked about this several weeks ago. And in the parable, Jesus calls attention to that. Now, here's, here's where it gets interesting, friends, because look at verse 28. Hearing that these weeds are the result of an enemy's effort, the servants of the master respond in a way that we can relate to, in a, in a way that we might respond if we were in their shoes. The Bible says the servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? We see the weeds in your field. We know that was not your plan, not your intention. Do you want us to go and pull them? You know, that's a very natural and normal reaction. And on the surface, it makes sense. But here's the thing. There's more going on than just what we see on the surface. Jesus called attention to that when he said an enemy did this, and he's gonna call even more attention to it in just a moment. But first, just allow yourself to sit down in that reality. Do you want us to go and pull them up? And we're gonna find out that Jesus doesn't want them to do that because there's more going on than what they see. You know, if I can use this illustration, Ron and I have been happily married for 36 years. Part of the reason is that I know there's always more going on with my bride than I see on the surface. Sometimes when she says to me, fine, it means stuff's not fine, <laughs> and I need to recognize that. Sometimes when she says to me, yes, go ahead, do whatever you want, it means no, don't you dare. There's always more going on than what we see on the surface. And Jesus is calling our attention to that. You know, when we look around our world and we read the news and we follow the condition of this garden that we live in, we see weeds everywhere. And because we're servants of the master and we know it's his field and we want the best, very often, like the servants in this story, we assume we should dedicate ourselves to weeding. But Jesus says, no. Look at verses 29 to 30. Listen to the rest of the story that he tells. Verse 28, the servants ask him, do you want us to go and pull up the weeds? No, Jesus answered. Because while you're pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, 
I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds, tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat into my barn. Don't go on a weed pulling crusade because if you do, you're going to damage the wheat. In other words, Jesus is saying two really important things here. First of all, he's reminding us, please hear me, church. He's reminding us that God is more concerned about growing wheat than pulling weeds. Or to put it another way, he's willing to put up with a weedy field for a season in order to grow the wheat, in order to keep from harming or damaging the wheat that's growing. Lots of, uh, of earnest Christ-following people in our time are very concerned about pulling weeds. But some of us have become so focused on pulling weeds that we never grow any wheat. We are, to use the metaphor, barren fields. We make no disciples. We lead no one to Jesus. We don't even water or fertilize the wheat that is growing because we think we've assumed that a weed-free field is what God is seeking. But he isn't. Jesus is making it very clear that God would rather have a weedy field than a barren one. Would rather have a messy, imperfect field than a field that bears no fruit. He's concerned about wheat growing more than weed pulling. You know, when I played soccer uh, all the way through my, my time in college, I was a defensive player the whole time. I played what's called center back or, or sweeper. And my coaches put me there because I was good at strategy and analyzing situations. But knowing that that was my role, knowing that that was my assignment, I would like never go forward. <laughs> I would like get to the midpoint of the field and I would tend to stop as if I'd run into an invisible wall. Thinking, hey, my job's defense. Well, one day my, my coach pulled me aside and he said, Greg, You've got to make runs forward when they're there. Uh, he says, I know you analyze the situation. When you see those moments, you've got to run forward even though as a you're a defender. He said, Greg, we can't win by not scoring. <laughs> he said, sure, your role is defense, but the role of all the team is to score more goals than the other side, not merely to not let the other side score. And that just changed my whole concept of what I was supposed to be doing on the field. And in the same way, Jesus wants to change our concept of what we're here to do in this world. It's not merely to pull weeds. It's not even primarily or chiefly to pull weeds. It is to grow wheat. Or to use the very pointed uh, the point that Jesus is making to, to see people become believers, come to Jesus and receive him as their savior. Now, the second thing Jesus is saying very clearly is that a time will come when the weeding will get done. That's important. But it won't be on the servant's schedule. It'll be on the master's schedule. Look at verse 30. At that time, Jesus says. At that time, Jesus emphasizes, not now. Not necessarily right now, not today maybe, or this week, or this year, or this decade, or maybe not even in this lifetime. Why not? Because God would rather have a weedy field that produces wheat than a barren, neat, and tidy field that doesn't produce any wheat. Just think about that for a few minutes, friends. You know, it's no secret that many people in our world wrestle with anger right now. They're angry about what's happening or not happening. And because they assume that weed pulling is the business of the master's servants, they worry primarily about all the weeds. But God says, I want you to plant wheat. I want you to grow wheat. I want you to help me make this field fruitful even though the weeds are there. You know, the Bible tells us in James chapter 1, verse 20, for example, that man's anger does not bring about the righteous life God's desires because sometimes the anger that leads to weed pulling never leads to wheat growing. He says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Why? Because your garden isn't about weed pulling as much as it's about wheat growing. 
Refrain from anger, the psalmist tells us in Psalm 37, 8. Don't fret. It only leads to evil. It leads to weed pulling more than wheat growing. It's natural and normal to feel angry when you're a servant who loves the master and you see a field filled with weeds by the enemy. But the master himself is telling us what matters most to him. And it's not weed pulling. It's wheat growing. You know, one of my favorite stories in my huge collection of preaching stories is the one about the two Iowa corn farmers, two men who, who ran uh, corn farms in, in Iowa, and they both raised families. And as they raised their sons next door to each other, the one farmer noticed that his neighbor was far less uh, uh, willing to allow his sons to skip their work on the farm. While he would allow his sons to frequently, uh, you know, escape the work uh, of, of, of farming, his neighbor almost always required his sons to do that work, even when it meant they missed out on stuff sometimes at school or in town. And, and, and the two farmers were friends. And one day, the first farmer went to the second. And he said, hey, I, can I just ask you about something? He says, I, I've been watching you, and I, and I know that the amount of work that you're asking of your your sons is, is not necessary to grow corn on your farm. I, I don't require that of my sons and my crops are the same as yours. And his neighbor looked at him and he said, oh, you misunderstand. I'm not raising corn, I'm raising sons. In the same way, God says to us, hey, don't misunderstand, I'm not pulling weeds right now. I'm growing wheat. That's what I'm about, that's my heart, that's my focus. The judgment day will come, the weeding day will come, but I'm willing to live with a messy, weedy field in order to plant the wheat that makes the field fruitful. Church, please understand the key to managing our anger in this time is to trust God's judgment. At that time, he says, verse 30, we will take care of the weeds, but weeding now damages and destroys the wheat. So we've got to wait. You know, over in Romans chapter 2, the Apostle Paul castigates his fellow Jews for a very specific reason. They had been sent into the world to plant and grow wheat, so to speak, but they had become weeders instead. And the sad thing is they weren't qualified to be weeders. Only God is. So Paul said to them, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. That's a horrible thing to have said about the nation that was meant to be the people of God. I don't want it said of me. God doesn't want it said of us. I talked with a dear brother this week whose tender heart is torn by all the wickedness, all the weeds he sees in our world right now. And he confessed to me, he says, it makes me angry all the time. And I encouraged him to remember that God has promised that in the end, nobody gets away with anything. Judgment is coming, but it's coming in God's time. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12, leave vengeance and judgment to him. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, God says, I I'm hesitating not, not because I'm never going to weed, but because right now I'm trying to grow wheat. I'm seeking that all should have every opportunity to come to me. In fact, he says, I want to turn those weeds into wheat. See, that's the glorious truth of the gospel. God isn't just seeking to weed. Ultimately, he wants to turn weeds into wheat. And he calls us to recognize that that's his heart. That's why Jesus taught this parable. Dear friends, we must be weed growers before, or wheat growers, before we are weed pullers. Every, every parent instinctively understands this. Because we are committed to our kids for the long term, we sometimes overlook weeds for the moment so we can grow wheat for the long haul. We do this because we love them. We're willing to put up with some weediness in order to have that fruitfulness in the long run. And God calls us to have that attitude towards his kingdom here and now. You know, to, to look at this from another angle, the first time we meet the Apostle Paul in the Bible, Acts chapter 7, verse 58, he's a weed. He's making war on Christians, trying to crush the church. Good luck with that. Lots of people have tried. And fighting against everything you and me stand for. When we meet 
Saul, who became Paul the first time, if God's focus was pulling weeds, he'd be dead. <laughs> but God is growing wheat. And he not only turns Paul into one of us, he makes Paul ultimately our great leader and teacher and inspiration. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 9, it's not the healthy you need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means, he says to me. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repent us. In other words, he wants to turn weeds into wheat. I mean, just ask you this morning, friends, or this evening, this afternoon, are you pouring your life into pulling weeds or growing wheat? Jesus calls us to realize which one is more important to our Father. Or to put it another way, who are you leading to Jesus or helping somebody else lead to Jesus? Or can you only identify your enemies? Jesus wants me to know he's willing to let the weeds grow together with the wheat for a season because his judgment is coming and because there's no other way to grow the wheat without harming it. The Bible says in verse 36, his disciples came to him after this parable and said, Lord, explain it to us. And he did. And he reassured them that judgment is coming. We need never fear that the weeding won't be done. It will be done by God in his power and in his time. But our call in the meantime is to grow wheat. I was on a missions trip in Jamaica maybe 15, 18 years ago, and, and there came a moment on that missions trip that I'll never forget. Now, I, I was leading a group from our church, and we had gone there to partner with a very poor community and to help them with their school. A group of Christian parents had banded together, and, and they wanted to, to, to provide this community school in an area where there was no school, and they'd done what they could, but their resources were very limited. And when we came there, our, our mission, our goal was to work with them to, to see the school created. And so uh, I spent all my time, the first part of our week there, uh, talking about building projects and resources and local partnerships with parent groups and classroom materials and all that kind of stuff, all good stuff that needed to happen. But about halfway through the week, the missionary who had invited us to come, the full-time missionary in Jamaica with whom we were partnering as a church at that time, he pulled me aside and he, he said something to me that I'll never forget. He said, Pastor Greg, over 80% of these kids in Jamaica grow up in fatherless homes. Now that is a staggering statistic. And if you want to know why that's such a troubled land, well, there's a huge clue right there. 80% of kids growing up in fatherless homes. He said, Pastor Greg, because of that, even more important that the, than the building we give them is the witness we leave with them. And he said, that's especially true for you as a man, for you as a father figure. You know, I, I heard him say that, and later that afternoon, I went and bought a bunch of soccer balls, and I started uh, an every afternoon soccer game with the neighborhood kids. Now, that might not seem like the most fruitful thing we could do, during that time there, but the fact of the matter is that by the end of our time there, dozens of kids were swarming around me, looking up to me, smiling, listening, asking questions, wanting to know why we came to help them, wanting to know why we were doing what we were doing. And as my missionary friend said, hey, Greg, the, the fingerprints we leave on their spirits are more important even than the school that we're endeavoring to build from them. And church, that's our business in this world. That's what Jesus has called us to. That's what we're meant for. L let me finish with the last story. Everybody knows I'm a history nerd, so bear with me. The man on your screen right now, Mitsuo Fushida, was a hated arch enemy of the United States of America. Maybe some of us might know who he is. For those who don't, let me explain. Mitsuo Fushida was an officer in the Imperial Japanese Navy when World War II broke out. And as a Naval Air Commander, he was one of the chief architects with two other men uh, of the surprise attack on Pearl Harbor in December 
1941. He participated in and planned many other battles, the surprise attack on Darwin in Australia. He was a hated enemy on the lists of enemies of America. He was near the top. But after the war was over, in 1949, Mitsuo Fushida heard an American POW, a, 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 an air crewman who was actually captured after the Doolittle Raid and spent time in a Japanese prison camp. He heard this American POW's testimony of how he found God, of how he found Jesus as his savior in that prison camp. And Fushida was so deeply moved that he gave his own heart to Jesus and became a Christian and in fact devoted the rest of his life to preaching the gospel not only in Japan but for more than a decade right here in the United States of America. There are a multitude of souls in heaven who are there because a weed was turned into wheat and preached the gospel to them. See, that's how God sees where we are and what's happening in this time. That's why Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a man who told his servants, your calling is to grow wheat even before pulling weeds. Church, this simple gospel is the most important thing in our lives. The Bible says that God so loved the world, a world filled with weeds, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Even an arch enemy of our nation, whoever believes in him will have eternal life. That's our message. That's our kingdom. That's our calling. So can I challenge you today to ask yourself, am I focused more on weed pulling or wheat growing? Jesus makes it clear which one he calls us to. Maybe you're listening right now and you've never received Jesus as your personal savior. Know this, the whole reason he came was to bring you into his kingdom, to give you eternal life, to forgive your sins. And all those things are yours for the asking. Right now in this moment, you can say to him, he's listening, he's there. You can say to him, Jesus, I choose you to be my savior. I receive your grace. And in this moment, you can enter into his kingdom. Jesus said it'll be like being born all over again. And the only thing that has to happen is for you to tell him personally, yeah, I receive you as my savior. I confess my sins, forgive me. In that moment, Jesus then calls you to become a wheat grower in our world, even before a weed puller. Can I invite you to bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word in this moment. And and we confess, I confess, that very often we are tempted to, to go all in and pulling weeds. Lord, whether that's in our family or our community or our church, our country, our world, we get upset about the weeds and we want to pull them all. But you tell us that if we do, we'll damage the wheat. And you call us to focus instead on the call to grow the wheat. God, help us to do that. Some of us need to take a hard right turn in this very moment in our walk with you. Others of us need to say, God, you know, I've, I've gotten off track and I didn't mean to, but I have. And others of us need to rejoice that we've kept our eyes focused on what's first in your heart all along and to renew our strength Jesus, we thank you for your word. Send us out into our world, we pray, as wheat growers before weed pullers. We pray it, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. 
I'm glad that you've spent some time with us together. Know this, that as you reflect on what we've talked about, the Spirit of God will continue to speak to you wherever you are, whenever you are. He's that still small voice in your heart. He loves you. Let Him teach you. Now may the love of God the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit go with you throughout this week. Go with God. Tell someone that you love them. Have a great afternoon.